0: This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low, or Instagram at NearsideLow underscore podcast. And here we are, nearside low podcast season three, episode four. Boy, how the time flies, Ray. Uh, we are getting into the meat of the season, as I like to call it. Uh, spring break, I think, is pretty much over for everybody. So uh, tournaments and games galore going on. So uh, I like to welcome everybody back to the podcast. Glad to have you again, Ray.
1: Yeah, glad glad to be here. I'm I'm excited for this podcast. We actually have a, a lot of material tonight. So a lot a lot of things going on. And it's really going to kick out off in the next couple weeks. All right. So as we always like to start
0: out with our question of the week recap, um, we posted best atmosphere for a game. If you are unhappy with uh, any of our choices, we asked you to tweet at us. Um, so I'm going to go through the votes and then Ray, I'm going to let you talk about the individual responses because we got some good ones there. So best atmosphere for games. We almost beat our original vote tally. We got 52 votes. The good old Parkway West Longhorns, 46% of the votes. Oakville, 38% of the votes. Chaminade, 8% of the votes. And Forest Park, 8% of the votes. Being a Parkway West coach, um, I gotta tell you, it's pretty hard to coach at Parkway West. Um, it's an echo chamber. Um, so if anyone has ever been there, it gets pretty rowdy when it's crowded. Um, I've mentioned a challenge cut before when we played Oakville. It was, it was rocking. Um, and we've had some battle royales with uh, SLU there, uh, which has always been, been fun. The place is just, you, you just gotta sit back and watch because you can't hear any. Kind of glad they won, but there are other great facilities in the area. And so we had people give us some at responses. And Ray, I'm going to let you touch on those.
1: When when I proposed that question last week, I guess I could have been a little bit more specific. We were trying to go for some of the older pools, um, of which the four we listed were. uh, But we got a lot of great other responses as well. Steve Adcock responded that he thinks refing at MICDS is the best and watching at the Recplex is the best. Uh, Adam Brisky, former. Uh, Marquette player and now at Ralla also said the Rackplex. I agree with watching at the RecPlex. There's something about uh, playing the state championship game there that's that's always awesome. Tammy Doyle and Daniel Hoff both suggested Lindbergh is is a great place to play, and if I was picking probably my favorite place to ref, I'd probably say Lindbergh. Just based on always during that Lindbergh invite, there's some games that get rocking, and that's all deep pool. Great great place to be. So definitely agree. With Lindbergh, uh, Daniel Off suggested Stanford is a is a great place to watch a game. I, I know both you and I, coach, have uh, have been on deck to watch some great games at Stanford. Walk in Stanford. Walking like you own the place, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, clearly Stanford's maybe the best place in the U.S. to play water polo. We got a response from Fenway Cup in Chicago uh, endorsing their own Dan O'Brien Auditorium. I've had the opportunity to play up there. There's something unique about that that pool and a lot of history there as well. Right, so right. agree with all those responses. Thanks for, thanks for the feedback. We love, love uh, when people tweet at us and uh, definitely some great suggestions there as well.
0: Cool. All right. So moving on to our new question of the week where a, I'll let you take that one. It's
1: been really cool over the last couple of weeks to see the conversation that's been going on about girls, water polo tweet coach Wackerly was on talking about how he'd like to see girls, water polo continue to grow. And then this last weekend uh, we had the girls tournament uh, over at uh, Lafayette, which we'll talk about a little bit later. One of the things we want to do is keep continuing the conversation moving forward about girls, water polo, and growing the sport. So one, one thing that I'm going to propose for our new question of the week is what are your thoughts on doing at the end of the season an all-district girls team and an all-district boys team in doing it this year? Um, here's Here's my rationale it would be an opportunity to give more girls recognition. This year we have over 40 girls that are playing. Um, So if we did one team with all districts for girls, you still would be recognizing a fairly slim number of girls. And uh, there's a lot of girls that have already shown this far that they're definitely worthy of recognition. And I think that recognizing them would be a way to uh, increase awareness for some of the things uh, the girls are doing. So, just wanted to hear your thoughts. Obviously, through this voting process, we're in no way making a decision, and these decisions would have to be made through athletic directors and other people, but at least get the conversation moving. So, what's what's your thought on doing both an all-girls district and all-boys district this year? Do you have any thoughts on this? We'd love to, once again for you to tweet at us. Right,
0: <clears throat> and so we will post that shortly after we, uh, we post the podcast so people have an opportunity to Give it a listen and visit our Twitter handle. Wonderful. All right, Ray, moving on to recap of games. I know the other night I was at Lindbergh talking to Coach Butler, having watched or followed on Twitter. They played DeSmet, I think, on Monday and won, then played DeSmet again at the Pattonville invite and won, and then played DeSmet a third time in the Pattonville championship game and lost. So, you know, maybe DeSmet and Lindbergh were a little sick of each other, but um, why don't we recap some of those games and some of the other ones?
1: Yeah, so uh, Lindbergh and DeSmet first played on uh, the 26th last week. Lindbergh won that game 8-1. to From what I was able to discern from talking to some people, Lindbergh played really good defense in that game and really were able to shut down DeSmet. Uh, they met again on Friday, uh, where Lindbergh beat DeSmet 9-6. to Hunter led the goals for Lindbergh with five. Max Conway had two for DeSmet. And then uh, they met in the championship game at the Pennville Invite again. and that time, DeSmet won 4-2. to Lindbergh scored two goals in the first and then were shut out for the rest of the game. Doyle and uh, Sam Dieter had the goals for Lindbergh. Miller, Pullman, and uh, Tegan Thomas uh, put some in for DeSmet. So, yeah, one of the hardest things to do in sports, which I always say is beat a good team three times. And Clearly over that week you see DeSmet De able to win that last one. I mean, as we've talked about before, these teams in the top five are going to be beating up, up on each other all year. So i to see some, some good games there. A few other games of note last week. So uh, uh, as we talked about this year, we like seeing some close games. Last week, Panville played Melville in an 11-10 game. Good to see. Uh, last weekend, Slew High went up to Chicago and played in the York Invite. Uh, they went three and one there and defeated number seven Mundelein, number six York, and St. Ignatius in Chicago. Uh, they fell to number one Fenwick, uh, who will be coming down again for the Despent Invite next weekend. I'm really excited to see that team down in St. Louis. That's a fast team with some defi- definitely has some good shooters. So, great weekend for slew up in Chicago, but set up for another matchup against Fenwick here next week. We talked about on Mondays, we get some good games, and there are a couple this week. First off, we had West against Lindbergh. Uh, West inked out a 13-11 victory. You want to say a few things about that, Coach? Ah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Well... Uh, It's never easy playing at Lindbergh against Lindbergh. So, uh, exciting game. You know, I was talking to Coach Butler afterwards, and he kind of, you know, chuckled that he just, you know, Feels like he's got to sit back and relax a little bit more this year because these games on Monday can be a little bit stressful. Down 3 0, came back 3 3, down 5 3, came back, and then kind of back and forth. We pulled away by about three goals right in the last couple of minutes of the game and played some keep away and stuff. It was, uh, it was definite. Um, I, I felt like our depth might have had a little bit of an advantage for us. Um, and I mean, Lindbergh had kind of been through the barn burner over the weekend, as I said. They, it sounded like they played quite a few games on Friday, Saturday. Um, and so even with that day off, I wonder if they were, they were totally 100% percent so I'm sure we will get to see more of them later on in the season um, and we look forward to those matchups because you know 13-11 relatively high scoring game compared to what I've what we've been involved in so far um, which is exciting to see because we can obviously score some goals then but um, definitely will be some uh, battles with them in the future.
1: Matt also played Ledoux on Monday won 11 7 and then I was at the Slu versus Parkway South game. Slu won that game 10-5. In that game I think Slew played some pretty good defense um, and controlled South's attack. Tie game after the first quarter, and then Slew had a pretty one sided second quarter, which kind of made the difference in the game. So, fun game to watch. Both teams have a couple uh, fairly explosive players, got uh, some goals. I'm sure those teams are going to match up again. They're meeting again next week at the Desmet invite. Uh, should be another. Another good game. The thing I'll say is uh, so the girls tournament this last weekend, Marquette ended up winning that tournament, but uh, there's some great tweets, which I encourage you to check out with uh, Lafayette, Marquette, Oakville, and Parkway North. Uh,
0: moving on, water polo in the news. Um, I know uh, Greg Uptain has been a, a busy man. He always has a photographer in tow, which is great. Um, so to commemorate, Coach Penelio's first varsity win. Uh, they were at the Slew versus West game. I think we might have mentioned that in our last podcast, but there was a good write-up about that, um, which was pretty cool. I know that uh, there was a players to watch STL Today article, um, and they, I don't know, they highlighted about four or five different kids. Um, kind of related, I think, to stats from last year on how well they did and just kind of keep an eye out for a couple of those kids.
1: All those players definitely are players to watch this upcoming year. If you're asking the coaches for some players, there were, there's some notable players missing, just because I think a lot of that was based on stats from last year. And um, there's a few players new to the area, as well as some players from last year who may not have been necessarily high up on the stat sheets. But definitely all players to watch, and there's a few others that I think we'll be watching as well. A
0: little bit about uh, Taryn's wife and she is headed to, I think, uh, Indiana, is that correct? Uh, to play college polo, so a a good read for people there. And then finally, um, pretty exciting again, we had Jamie Wackerly on last week uh, to talk about the uh, girls' tournament that Lafayette hosted. Uh, A lot of tweets coming out from the Lafayette water polo Twitter handle, Um, and then there was a good STL Today um, write-up about that where they interviewed a couple of the girls and talked about some of the games. So a big shout-out to Greg Uptain. He's uh, been kicking butt for us. And uh, we love the press.
1: In the span, span of eight days, he had four water polo articles. So at this point, Greg Uptate is pretty much the water polo beat writer. So uh, keep reading the articles. I mean, that's so awesome that we're getting that much coverage. There was also one that was just put out on Monday about the, or on Tuesday about the West versus Lindbergh game. So whenever you see Greg or any of those people on the sidelines, thank them for coming out. We, we really appreciate the coverage, and uh, it's great to see so much water polo be covered in the news.
0: Fast rate forum. We're keep pumping, uh, getting more girls involved in water polo. And I would actually like to see, I know sometimes people go on there and say, Hey, I saw this score. Can I get a game recap? I would love to have some, maybe some parents or people in the, in the stands, um, write up more game re- recaps on, uh, the STL today, uh, prep sports, high school forum, water polo, 2019, uh, keep it positive, but it'd be interesting. You know, I, I like to watch polo, but I can't get to every game. Um, and sometimes when I hear scores and, and, players and stuff i'd I'd like to hear uh who was doing what and, and how things were going okay moving on to upcoming tournaments games that we are looking forward to uh ray i'll tell you what i'm looking forward to
1: What's that, guys?
0: Founders Cup at Ledoux. (laughs) Always a fun tournament. It takes place Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I think it's named after the original four founders of uh, of Water Polo in St. Louis area. Um, We've talked to Don Casey about that before, I think. But it looks like there are four pools, Group A, Group B, Group C, and Group D. Um, Ledoux, Parkway Central, Parkway North in A, DeSmet, Marquette, and Clayton in B, Kirkwood, MICDS, Lafayette in C, and Parkway West, CBC, and Pattonville in D. Um, and quite frankly, it looks like there's going to be some pretty good matchups. Quite a few teams in the top 10 there, Parkway West, Kirkwood, I think MICDS, DeSmet, Marquette. Um, and so uh, there's going to be some good crossover battles. And, and as always, we look forward to playing at um, Founders Cup. Thank you to Mikey Clay for hosting.
1: Founders Cup, always a great tournament, uh, really one of the first big tournaments of the year. Uh, and then on Wednesday this week, Parkway South's going to be played at MICDS. That'll be a nice matchup. And then Thursday as well, Slew's going to be playing Lindbergh at Lindbergh. Lindbergh's currently like, ranked number two in the polls. Slew's ranked number one. So we'll be very curious to see how that one turns out. I'm sure that will be the first of multiple meetings this year.
0: And so moving on, finally, our team of the week. Uh, we like to shake things up here, Ray, a little bit. So we're going to call it the teams of the week. Uh, and our first team of the week is going to be the uh, the DeSmet Spartans for their Pattonville Invitational Win. So congratulations to uh, the boys at DeSmet. And, Ray, I'll let you hit the other team.
1: Yeah, and then we're also going to recognize the Marquette Girls for uh, their victory in that girls' tournament. As I said, great hearing all the positivity, talking a little bit to our uh, Kets coach uh, this weekend, as well as what we talked about with Jamie, uh, Coach Wackerly last week. Great to see a sport growing and, uh, Both those teams did very well last week.
0: Congratulations to both of them. We hope that in about 10 years, when we're still doing the podcast, that it (laughs) won't be the team of the week. It'll always be teams of the week, as we recognize a as a boys' team and a girls' team. Hopefully the sport grows that much. That kind of wraps up what we're going to be doing. We do have uh, Big Red, Mike McGinnis from Parkway South on next for our interview, so stick around for that. This is uh, Charlie.
1: This is Ray.
0: And we are signing off. Here we are, nearside low podcast with one of Coach Catelli's favorites, Coach Mike McGinnis from Parkway South. Coach, welcome.
2: Thanks, guys. I'm I'm privileged and honored to be on your be on your uh, world-renowned podcast. Uh, <laughs> <World-renou- laughs> all
0: <laughs> right. Well, thank you. Uh, as we like to do, Coach, with uh, all of our uh, guests, if you wouldn't mind giving us just a brief one to two minute introduction on, um, I know that you are a St. Louis native, played water polo in high school extensively, and and then obviously you've been at South for a while. So just kind of Take us through your story in about a minute or two.
2: You know, I started, I actually, I was more, I was the baseball player. And, and um, I was looking for something else to do, and, and it was a fall sport. So I started playing it at, at Limburg High School. Played all four years at, at Limburg, Swam and, and then pitched baseball. You know, I fell in love with the game because I loved to throw the ball. That was the biggest thing. I hated swimming, but I loved <laughs> to throw the ball. So, you know, I, I played all four years, and then I... Uh, I Actually, was pitching baseball, and my elbow blew up on me, and so I went and went down to Southie, Missouri State, and swam and played water polo down there.
0: So they had a um, they had a they had a club team and a swimming program at the time. Is that right? Right.
2: They had a swimming swimming program was Division Two in the club, and then it was a club team, and so okay. I swam strictly to get faster to play water polo i mean that was the only reason why i did it i hated swimming and I who were you
0: guys uh, as far as water polo went who were you guys competing against? it was
2: it was the mi mi MIAA okay. division division two so you know we played uh, you know Ralla and you know other teams around the area we you know we would go we even went up we even played brown one year played air force one year yeah, we had a we had a strong team. We had a lot of a lot of the top players from the area. You know, it was close. It was a club team right. and it it was uh not too far away, so like from my high school and at that time, you know, Lindbergh was a powerhouse at that time and uh they still are, but there's like four of us went down off our team. We had like the best player off of Melville, and Melville was a power at that time, Ben Gormley. We had some players from U City that was a powerhouse as well. So um, we had a real good team. Uh, matter of fact, Scotty C he was captain of the team, who oh, right. you know used to referee <laughs> here in the area and right, stuff. Right. So,
0: so then post SEMO, you got into the realm of teaching and eventually ended at Parkway South, right?
2: Right. I um, was doing my student teaching at Barrett's Elementary School, and I've got a phone call from Dennis Carehair, who was a coach at Parkway South, and. He had heard, I guess, maybe I think from Glenn Knopf or somebody that, that I was in the district and that I'd played and and in high school and college, and he should give me a call. So he called me up and asked me if I would want to come up and help out. But at the time, <laughs> Parkway South was like the uh, doormat of water polo programs. They were terrible. They were horrible. The first practice I came to that I went up because I, I told them that I would come up and, and help out, because I didn't want to get locked into it, because they were they were bad, they were absolutely <laughs> bad. And the first practice, the first practice I came to, I walk in the door and <laughs> these guys are jumping on the diving boards, and everybody else is throwing balls at them, and <laughs> their hair is just sitting on the side, and it was like <laughs> it was it was it was utter chaos. It was crazy, and so you know he asked me if I would help out, and I said yeah, I'll help out, but you know. I have some other things going on, so I you don't really want to be locked into it. He said, well, we can pay you. And I said, nah, well, that, no, I'm not worried about that. I just I just didn't want to get locked into it because right. it, it, it was bad. But I wound up staying all year and helping him. Um, he didn't know a whole lot about Polo, but he took it over because, you know, you know they wouldn't have had a team anymore because he also was taking it over. So, and Dennis Carraher was a great guy. I mean, great guy. As you know, Charlie – you used to have banters with him left and right what a funny man he was but
1: um, it, it, what year was that coach when you took over
2: that was 87 87 okay. and, and you've been
1: um, you've been there continuously since right
2: yeah ever since then and okay. i wound up staying the whole year and i didn't get paid that whole year but um i wound up then signing the contract for the next year and you know dennis and i became very very close and and then the, the the program started rising, you know, uh, up up from what it was, you know, up to present day, aside from Charlie's run with Parkway less than the last what 5 6 years it's been Charlie. Yeah. Parkway South's been the most productive and and best public school water polo program in the state over the last 15 20 years.
1: So, I mean, along those lines, So yeah, you've been coaching now for over 30 years. I mean, what what still draws you personally back to the pool each year?
2: I I love to teach. You know, I love to teach. I love the sport. I've always loved the sport. I mean, once, you know, I loved baseball. And, uh, you know, once I got, you know, into this, you know, I I just love the sport. You got the physicality of it. You, You know, you're throwing a ball, which I love to do. You know, once and once I got faster, it made the game so much easier. So um, I just really enjoyed playing it, and and I still have the desire and love to keep teaching it. You know, and we've had we've had some down years here and there, and um, you know it, that's what makes it fun, to, even when you have some down years to try to teach. And, and every year we still you know are five hundred or better. So yeah, it's just it's just been a lot of fun.
0: You've obviously coached some good teams, past and present, and some good players at Parkway South. What are some of your favorite memories of uh, South and this sport?
2: I have. I mean, there's been some tremendous players that have come through Parkway South's program. Uh, Starting from the beginning, you know, when I was there, I had the O'Connell brothers, Chris O'Connell, and Craig O'Connell was an incredible water pole player. He was like a magician. He was a very big kid. But gosh, the boy—the boy could do some things with that ball, you know. He was like a magician with the ball, you know. Then going up Scott Emery, you know, who refereed for for a while, and that before he got married and moved. Uh, Trent Davis.
0: I'm gonna have uh, to. I'm gonna have to edit out that Trent
1: Davis. We don't want to give him too
2: much. <laughs> All that, kidding aside,
1: we we love Trent on this podcast. <laughs> I
2: know you do. I know you do. When I, you know, when he came up yesterday, and he's been coming around. His dad is like our our uh, mascot of our team now. He comes every single game. But um, I tell you, the, the the most enjoyable time was the year that Charlie was there, all four years that he was there, because that goes back to my days at Barrett Elementary School, because I had Charlie and John O'Sullivan and Patrick Dodge and Grant Miller and Michael Hill, and, you Eric know, I'm Pearson. sure there's some other guys Pearson. there. Eric Pearson. Pearson they came up and it was really funny because I was teaching third grade and I had all these guys, all of them were in my math class. And so I would tell these guys, you know, about water polo. I said, I knew they all swam. And so I would tell them, why don't you guys come up and watch a water polo game? I don't know if Charlie did. He probably, I think he did maybe silently. You always kind of look up to your teacher a little bit, you know? And, and so these guys, they'd come up and they watch the water polo games. And then they got, they got themselves involved and, And you know this, Ray, too, Ray, coming from SLU, that, you know, when you got smart kids that are good athletes, this is a perfect game for them, because you have to be able to think and and improvise, and there's, there's no sure thing in this game. Everything depends on the situation. And these guys, they wound up all getting together. They all played together, which was so important. I was telling them, you know, when they were younger, you guys all need to play together, and their history speaks for themselves. You know, last two years, 49 and one, you know, and they lost to uh, the slew team, the last game of the year, I think on a sudden death penalty shot. And that was the last game of, of the regular season. Sometimes you can have some of the absolute fantastic team and your whole team is stacked. But you know, a lot of times those, those situations don't always work because people get head, ca- their head cases and everybody wants to shine, but you, the remarkable thing about these guys, they were such good friends. You know, every single one of them, they were such good friends out of the pool. And, but when they got in the pool, they couldn't wait to burn their friend. I mean, they, our, our, our practices were like war. I mean, they literally were. They would beat up on each other, yell at each other, mimic each other, just give each other all, all kinds of heck. And yet after practice, they're the best of friends, but they pushed each other.
1: Don O'Sullivan, he's one of the Parkway South alumni who's still very active as a Missouri water polo president, still as a referee. One thing that I've always been impressed about South is just the alumni that you have and how much they contribute to water polo in our area. I mean, currently, uh, Coach Catelli is its West. Patrick Story is coaching at Parkway North. Ashley is the Burroughs coach. Um, you've got multiple referees from the area. What makes Parkway South's culture so strong?
2: You know, I've always thought that I always tried to make it that first first and foremost that we were a family, you know, and we succeeded together. A lot of these guys also pretty close. We all got pretty close to, to each other because of the fact that uh, my family had a lot of hardships. You know, I had a daughter that was shaken by a babysitter when she was two months old. And, and these guys were you know, live through that. They lived through all those years in the hospital and stuff with her and until she passed away. And it's something that kind of brought us together a lot. And, you know, and I always looked at in coaching, I wasn't any better than they were. I was still the coach, but at the same time, you know, I, I looked at us in kind of a family and I tried to always coach that way. I've always tried to create a situation where you know, everybody, they, they love playing for each other. And I think the biggest thing, too, is I tried to incorporate not just the water pool, but but things about life. This can apply to you later on in life, because life's going to throw you curves all the time. And, and just like in, in games and stuff. To me, it wasn't just always about winning. It, w- it, w- it had to do with developing character. And that's was always kind of one of the forefronts that I always kind of prided myself in trying to make these guys understand what's, you know, what you have to do to be successful in life. You know, I would bring up the story of my daughter, you know, Kelsey, about how she's had to fight her whole life and and how I could have just tucked my head in the sand and just gave up, but you can't do that. And so, you know, we just got really close and, and I've always coached that way.
1: So, well, yeah, some awesome life lessons, if not uh, water polo lessons there. I, uh, let's bring it back now to 2019. Talk a little bit about your team this year, uh, what you're excited about, and things you're thinking this team's going to be able to do uh, throughout the rest of the season.
2: My starting six, they're very good. And they can be as good as they want to be. You know, and we talk about in practice all the time about devotion to detail. You know, and Charlie knows how I how I stress passing the ball, that passing the ball is one of the easiest things in the world to do if you do it right. But these guys have the talent. I mean, I think Marco Marco Turzik is probably right up there with anybody else in the league as far as being one of the best players in the league. Um, Zach Gay, tremendous defender. Zach Ward, fantastic player. I tell you, a, a person that's real important to this team that came on last year is Adam Heskett. Big kid, you know, tall kid, just just still learning how to really play the game, but is a tremendous player, and, and he has helped make us a better team. Ryan Hilgendorf that's only played for one year, you know, is now playing, starting on the varsity team. And then Marco's younger brother, who's a freshman, Alex Terzik, has played great this year. And he, he he's had his struggles going against, you know, seniors and juniors, and, and he understands that. He's doing a fantastic job. And um, we've got some bench players that, that really complement the starting six. You know, Jeffrey Schaefer and Josh Weeks and Liam Smith and Ethan Hudson is a sophomore. So I've got like four sophomores on the team, a freshman. I think we're a really good team depending on how they keep working and whether they keep you know paying attention to detail and the fundamentals. Depends on how far we go to being a, a great team.
0: All right. So, uh, kind of on that same uh, Monday nights are kind of thrillers as the new conference has been set up, and obviously we are in the Red Conference, and so uh, Monday games get to be a little stressful, uh, a little bit of a change. What are your thoughts on kind of being in the big leagues there with uh, some of the other top teams in the area and having to play week in and week out?
2: I didn't really approve of it at the beginning <laughs> when we had <laughs> I really liked it. Matter of fact. Talking today, I was talking to Adam, Adam Ward about. It. I hate Monday games. I think it's, I think it's tough when you got high school kids, you know, and you're practicing and then you got and you're working hard on a skill, and then you got Saturday and Sunday, and they're going out and doing things and stuff to come back in and turn it on on a Monday. I wish our our league games were any day but Monday. You know, I think it's a tough time to have, especially if, if you have got anybody that's sick or anything like that. I think Monday is just a tough day to have the league game, And as far as this league goes, it's going to be a problem at the end of the year when they come up and they say, well, our record's this. When the top league has been battling out left and right, you have losses for for both teams, you know, all the teams when they play in each other. Not only is it tough because we're in the top division, but, you know, the Littler tournament, the DeSmet tournament, we play everybody all over again you're going to be playing all the same teams, you know, three times during, during a year sometimes. You don't even see these other teams. And I'm not saying it's, it's great to beat up on the, on, the, on some of the, the inexperienced teams, but playing the same teams three times and, and possibly even four is just a little much.
1: So as we get ready to wrap, wrap up here, uh, whenever we have a coach on, we like to get their thoughts on the top ten. Uh, top ten this last week came out on Monday the 1st. In that rankings, uh, SLU was ranked number one, Lindbergh was number two, Parkway West was number three, Parkway South was number four, DeSmet was number five, Kirkwood at six, Marquette at seven, MICDS was at eight, and Parkway Central and CBC were tied for ninth. So I know you've seen some of those teams, Coach. Uh, What's what's your thought on that top ten?
2: SLU does right now. I mean, they're still the cream of the crop and it still kind of runs through them. You know, it's just crazy how many players they get every year. And um, two through – I think two through five could change from week to week, I think, because, again, we're going to be playing each other numerous times. You know, we haven't seen Charlie yet, and we haven't seen Lindbergh yet. We'll see Lindbergh uh, on Monday. We haven't seen DeSmet yet. You know, one is deserving. I think two through five could be mixed up, you know, any different combinations.
0: We want to thank you for coming on, uh, Parkway West. I think we, we see you guys in I don't know a week and a half or so. So
2: two uh, weeks. Yeah, excited
0: excited about that game. So um, we are gonna head off.